0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Head Starts podcast on Space Tech. In the podcast, we deep dive with founders and investors who have built and scaled startups in the sector. We will attempt to demystify Space Tech. We will talk about topics such as founders' challenges, raising capital, and building a team. Today, I'm very excited to host Barry Nagel. Barry is the CTO of Up42, and Up42 is a geospatial platform, sort of like a marketplace, uh, and is trying to democratize access to geospatial data. Barry is based out of Berlin, and you cannot see this, but Barry has a super nice setup for the podcast, and I'm very jealous of him right now. Barry, thanks for taking time out to speak with us today, and welcome to the podcast. We'd like to give our listeners an introduction.
1: Thanks, Deepak. Um, First off, thanks for for having me in this podcast today. Uh, Very happy and very excited to be talking about UP42. Um, My name is Bari. I'm the CTO at UP42. And um, essentially, we are a platform, as you said, to be democratizing the access to geospatial data and analytics and all of this at at scale. Um, UP42 has been started mid-2018. Uh, as an incubation between BCG digital ventures and Airbus, and we wanted to create a new startup a new business a new business model that really utilizes the the assets of Airbus uh, so satellites in this case and um, yeah a business that really adds new value to to customers in the geospatial industry and I've been part of the of the initial team so operating as the uh, internal venture CTO and that was a very exciting journey for for all of us because essentially it was you know kind of the first touch point uh with the geospatial industry and we we ran through a lot of different phases in terms of the ideation phase so trying to figure out okay what can we actually build what can we leverage and and how do we build it um so in this phase we we reached out to to industry professionals to uh leading companies in the industry to kind of spar on some ideas to then build up like our vision of the product of the platform that we wanted to build um next was the the build phase where within I guess it was around about 9 months we released the first version of the product in 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 an alpha version uh, so having the first customers um and we kind of did this in 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 kind of a co-creation mode so having leading uh, industry professionals uh, aside that were always kind of checking in on the platform on the progress and on our ideas that we wanted to bring forward um, and yeah, then we went up with the, the public uh, public beta launch in, in May 2019. Uh, so really getting more customers on board, more feedback. And um, yeah, that's kind of the, the story behind Up42. Um, so the interesting part is that um, the venture was called Interstellar, which uh, was a name that really grew on us. Uh, unfortunately, we were not able to trademark this name um, so we, we had a longer, longer sprint on trying to figure out a new name, a new brand. And uh, by now we're called Up42. And maybe a short explanation on this side as well. So the, the Up refers to everything that is above us. In our case, the sensors that are capturing the, the imagery. And 42 refers to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where 42 is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. So combining this UP42 really is there to be providing that answer from above.
0: That is so cool, Barry. You know, Interstellar would have been such a cool name anyhow, but uh, the explanation of UP42 makes it so much more cooler. Thanks for doing that. Maybe I, I should also delve a little bit into um, your own background. And that was such a great introduction to to UP42. But um, as far as I know, uh, you did not really have an experience in the space tech before you started up with, uh, you know, Up42. Um, so, you know, what excited you to shift to this sector in the first place? And uh, what continues to excite you today?
1: Yes, very true. Um, so the exposure to the, the geospatial kind of industry has been relatively limited. Um, and I, I kind of did tackle this venture as any other venture in terms of building a platform. Uh, there is always some, some standard uh, platform features that you need in terms of the product. But then really getting into the industry, having these conversations uh, with with leading players in the industry uh, just got me really excited. If you think about all of the satellites um, in in the orbit, all of the monitoring capabilities, and then ultimately all of the different use cases that you can fulfill with that data is is just really exciting. Um, There is one standard use case that I'm always getting back to, which is precision agriculture you know, just thinking that a satellite that is 800 kilometers above us is able to tell you something about the health of the crops on the field is just insane. Um, and that's only one use case. So I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to be, be part of this industry um, and really, you know, be part of building that horizontal platform that enables much more use cases along the way.
0: Indeed, indeed. And and it definitely is such an insane thing that, you know, as you said, something 800 kilometers above us is able to give us um, such such valuable insights maybe this kind of you know brings me to uh, you know another question on uh, since you mentioned use cases in agriculture so late, what we see is more and more industries are discovering use cases for you know how to use data from space right and you already mentioned you know agriculture and irrigation and and, and I've also heard of you know things around construction and city planning and land records and looks like there's a there's a bit of an explosion of you know what use cases people are are able to kind of solve right now which industries do you really see the highest activity in right today and um, is there a particular kind of data set that is more frequently consumed maybe maybe on your platform if that's something you can share
1: yeah in in terms of industries there is a, a wide range of industries really using that data um, and it really depends on, on on the use case, on the data source, on on the quality of the data, the the resolution, and the the timeliness in in, in terms of capturing that data. Um, one of the big parts that we see is all based around monitoring activities. So essentially, looking at a specific area over you know a period of time. So it could be weeks or months or even years. Um, Deepak, you already mentioned it in terms of. Um, Construction, you know, monitoring constructions and seeing the progress over time. Um, there is very, very interesting use cases in terms of um, vegetation management, looking at railway networks and, and utility networks so that you can really identify risks along these network tracks, um, which, is, which is super exciting. So satellite imagery is, is really playing a key role in being able to Give these detailed answers and you know, make businesses or bring businesses in, into a position where they can make um, very very detailed dis- uh, decisions essentially. So in, in terms of the data, it, it, it really depends on what kind of properties you're looking for. Um, on, on all of these data sets, there's always different properties, there's different bands that you can use to calculate different outcomes. Um, there is also like the the open data play in terms of Copernicus, which has like a, a lower resolution. But then once you move into the commercial sector, you definitely have like very high resolution uh, imagery available, which is then also more more tailored to to certain use cases.
0: Totally makes sense. Um, to to kind of you know uh, solve all the use cases that we kind of you know talked about. For example, you mentioned that here you know there is this you know observing maybe a small parcel of land, for example, or a small area over over a long period of time, um, must also require somebody to maybe look at it from different dimensions, I'm guessing, kind of saying, hey, what's changing? And can I overlay one data set over another data set to kind of, you know, get to the insights that I really want to get towards. I'm sure given at the scale at which UP42 operates and, and then that the fact that there's so much of overlay, over, overlap of data from the sources, I'm kind of guessing that there must be different satellite sources and, and many of them may have overlaps, right, giving maybe somewhat similar kind of data sets, but maybe each one has a unique dimension that I want to use. What is your approach to redundancy? I'm sure there is a lot of this overlap, but then when I'm I'm thinking as a builder, uh, I want to kind of make sure that I'm able to, you know, get in the most unique element from each one of these. For example, uh, A, do you handle redundancy in data like this? If, if I want to kind of come and build something on top of Up42, do you do that at the point of ingestion? Do you do it at the time of post-processing? What's your approach?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So in in, in terms of data, um, we see that the, the data ecosystem is, is very fragmented, right? There's a lot of different players in the market. A lot of different data that is offered, and you know there is overlaps for sure in 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 terms of the data sets. Uh, one, one fundamental piece that we're always looking at is that we don't want to duplicate data on the platform. If if you think about data sets and and the size of the data, um, it it would just not work in terms of duplicating all of the data sets, hosting them on or infrastructure on or systems again. Um, it it you know from from an economic standpoint, it would just not work out. So at Up42, we, we are acquiring data on demand. So whenever a user is requesting access to a specific data set or parts of a specific data sets, we are behind the scenes you know, working together with our providers to then be acquiring exactly that data set so that we don't duplicate the, the rest of it. Um, within data providers, there's also always the concept of a data catalog, which essentially is a list, an index of all of the, the different data sets that this provider has to offer, um, which we're also offering on our platform. So this then basically covers all of the data discovery part that you're first looking at. So you're, you're selecting your area of interest, um, you're selecting different providers, you know, based on resolution or maybe cost as well. Um, and then you're getting back a list of available data sets that we can then handle behind the scenes. But again, it's, it's really a fundamental part of Up42 that we're trying to keep it very lean and that we're doing things in an on-demand basis for our customers.
0: But it sounds so simple, Barry. I'm sure it is not that simple, right? When you're trying to kind of you know build it out. Maybe you can talk a little bit about you know, I'm I'm kind of wondering that it, it, there must be challenges as you kind of, you know, solve for that one must be a challenge. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, one must be a challenge on uh, how do you solve this problem, which, you know, you've explained in such a simple way, but I'm sure it's a hard problem on the behind the scenes and the other is how do you build an organization that kind of is able to solve these problems and i'm just wondering if any a how unique are some of these challenges to you um, by the sector maybe or maybe they are not but i would love to kind of hear your perspective on what's your experience of running a space tech company solving some of these really hard problems at such a high scale such large amounts of data set what's the biggest ch- challenge you think a founder or a leader could face in in, in building such a venture
1: yeah there there are quite some some challenges um i think first off from from a product or a technical perspective and kind of getting back to 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 our mission it's really building this horizontal platform right We, we we are trying to abstract all of the 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 technical kind of difficulties um in in a very easy to use api and and ui for for customers so our system essentially is, you know, again horizontal. It's it's you know more abstract, and it basically builds up this framework so that we can plug in new data providers, um, but then also analytics providers. So we we also have uh, processing algorithms on on the platform that people can pick and choose. Um, but it's really looking at each feature and trying to figure out, okay, what is the best level of abstraction so that it applies across the whole platform, so that. You know, we're, we're not targeting one specific provider. We're not targeting one specific vertical. We're trying to build something where our customers in the end can pick and choose and then build their magic on top. So I think that's, that's one inherent challenge that we have as a marketplace across data and, and analytics. In terms of the, the industry, you know, my, my perspective is it, it's a pretty niche industry, it's a super exciting one, but it's pretty niche. Um, there is still some kind of old school ways of handling data, of, of being able to provide data. But there's also like a lot of new players that are you know, pushing kind of the boundaries and, and you know, they have like a fantastic new tech setup, which then really plays very nicely. Um, but I think you, you mentioned it before in terms of talent. Um, it's, it's definitely a challenge. You know, finding the people from the industry that have that detailed understanding, that have that domain knowledge, how to work with data. And that then really support us in terms of, okay, how do we need to build that platform? How do we need to find that abstraction so that it really works across all of the different providers? I think one, one interesting example here is the, the data side. Um, so data providers, they always have an archive of data. So that's all of the imagery that has been captured That is kept in an archive. And the archive is basically made up of two separate things. There is like a a warm storage, so something where the data resides that is relatively fresh and that is frequently kind of used, so it's directly accessible. And then there is the cold storage where data is getting shifted over when it's kind of older or it's not that frequently accessed. Um, in terms of the, the cold storage, whenever you want to get these data sets and whenever we want to get these data sets for our customers, it's going to take some time until the data is warmed up so we can then actually provide it. And kind of the same or like the same principles from a, from a product and, and tech perspective apply for tasking, which is uh, actually a really exciting capability where you can task Satellite to be capturing imagery over a specified area with some more properties attached to it in the future, right? So you're you're launching tasking missions, and you're essentially telling the satellite, okay, within the next month, I want to capture a certain amount of images, so I can I can run monitoring setups, for example. And also, this then obviously takes time until the tasking missions are are, are finished, and you're actually getting the data onto the platform. Um. And yeah, in, in, in terms of talent, it's, it is a challenge. You need these people, again, with the domain knowledge that really see how these things kind of apply. Um, they then really support the, the whole product teams at, at Up42, how to actually build the product, how to build the framework. So we're also enabling all of these cases appropriately on, on the platform in itself.
0: But then again, you know, I think uh, even though it's a niche sector and you said getting talent is a, chale- uh, is a challenge, I'm wondering if you know if you're somebody right now in Berlin and in the European setup, is there a particular place that's that that has like a cluster of talent or has, let's say, policies to attract the talent? Uh, is there is there something like that where you say, you know, what? if you do X, Y, and Z, it's rel- it's relatively easier for you to attract your talent.
1: Good question. Um, I'd say there are there certainly clusters, but what I've seen. Throughout Up42 is that it really depends on the the mission of the company and and what you're trying to achieve and I believe that this is something where people are getting getting very interested and they're getting excited and it's it's people from the industry but also people outside of the industry Um, because ultimately it's it's our goal to be democratizing the access to to geospatial technology which is something you know that that has been I don't want to say held kind of private, but it, it, it was kind of closed more or less before. And we're trying to open this up. We're trying to bring more people to this industry so they can make use of, of the data and the analytics in itself.
0: Understood. So, just think there are definitely maybe, if you want really attract talent or you're building something new, make sure that you're super clear on the mission you're driving and, and, and make sure that that's kind of something you can articulate and translate across, right? I'm also kind of, you know, wondering that a, a lot of these ventures and, you know, for example, I'm sure Up42 as well is fairly global in nature. Yeah? So your marketplace is fairly global. It's not targeted to a, to a specific segment. And I'm kind of wondering, you know, what are such exchanges that you kind of, you know, see right now that kind of help the industry grow or, you know, can help one of the founders, for example, latch on to it and kind of make the journey a little bit smoother and particularly, you know, there's so much of action going on in the U.S. for sure. I'm sure half of, you know, everything that goes on in space tech right now is in that market. Uh, but EU, for example, is catching up quickly. I see a lot of activity happening in India. I'm sure similar things going on in China and other ecosystems. Do you have a perspective on this, Barry?
1: Yeah, so in terms of uh, collaboration, um, I'd say it's pretty broad. Like there is a lot of touch points that we have with uh, with different companies and and institutes and and so on. Uh, you already mentioned it. it it's you know from from kind of the research perspective up to leading companies in the industry that are actually you know either providing the data or they're providing analytics at, at scale um, so we we do have a very broad partner network. Uh, we have been engaging with a lot of partners, uh, a lot of different companies. Um, we're exchanging technology, we're exchanging information and we're we're, we're trying to build up this ecosystem and, and that is a key part for Op42, right? Being part of the ecosystem, but then to a degree, also building up that ecosystem so that we have more partners on board that we can actually bring to our customers. So I think that's, that's a quite exciting part of it. Um, you know, really looking at, at all of these different capabilities that then build up that ecosystem where, where customers can benefit. Um, looking at, at, at tools, for example, that are used in the industry is something that we're currently we're currently busy at, um, at, at bringing them on board as well. So we can also enable people that have been using a certain tooling setup that they can also make the switch to op 42 or include it into their, their, their workflows, uh, from, from now on.
0: Right. And I'm guessing that this is fairly global in nature as, as you touched upon, right? So touching across East, West, all kinds of ecosystems then.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great.
0: Um, very, I'm uh, kind of you know maybe uh, moving away from now the present, and uh, you know this is this is a question I kind of you know at least in this podcast love to ask right everybody's perspective. In uh, you know you have seen so much now in the last few years building up this venture and and bringing it up to the scale it is, and you kind of mentioned democratizing the data what kind of, uh, where do you see this going in the future? So do you see new industries taking this sort of solution in a, in, in a big time? Those who do not use it today, do you see use cases coming up which will really affect the common person on the ground, right? Maybe change their lives over the next five, 10 years in a way that they don't realize today.
1: Yeah. So that that's a very interesting question. Um, and, we, we, we do see that there is going to be a lot more industries, a lot more use cases um, picking up in, in, in the future. Um, it is kind of linked to, to our mission of really democratizing the access to, to geospatial technology, to data, to analytics, and, and the underlying infrastructure, where we fundamentally believe that innovation is, is, is going to come from the industry itself, but it's also going to come from, from outside of the industry um, so think about what, what can happen once you enable, you know, new technology for for people that have been building other things before. I think the the amount of use cases that can really pick up in the future are well essentially limitless. Um, so I think there is there is quite some some big things coming, um, and it's always about that perspective of being able to bring new technology to people. You know, something they haven't discovered before. Um, obviously, there is there is also like a lot of um, uh, education that that you need to add on top of it, right? Because again, that industry is very specific. Um, the data sets are very specific. It's difficult to 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 kind of build algorithms that are able to work with data sets, especially on on kind of a geolocated um, uh, reference. So we're we're also trying to tackle this in terms of the the documentation that we have on board on on data sets on the platform on algorithms. Um, but it's certainly a big factor in, in in trying to bring new technology to people to then really unlock the the innovation part of it.
0: I think that's such a that's such a valuable insight, I think, that hey, you know what, it's it's not just coming here and solving a use case with something that's so futuristic and cool. You've got to think about how you're gonna get everybody on board. And I think educating um, you know, anybody who wants to use it, educating the masses, so to say, of builders. Is is such a critical factor. The more I think about it, such a simple thing, but yet such an impactful piece, right? In your in your overall journey to kind of flip it around, I'm kind of you know wondering. And this is already such a great piece of advice. But you know, as we come towards the end of our podcast, I'm wondering if you have any uh, specific piece of advice, you know, do's and don'ts, you know, for for the budding space tech entrepreneurs out there, our listeners, maybe some of them uh, following in your and you know some of the others' footsteps.
1: I've been I've been thinking about this in, in, in terms of something very specific that applies to space tech, but I think generally, you know, there there is advice that that applies to to building companies or building products, which probably applies you know more generically. Um, thinking about the the talent that we mentioned before, so in, in in terms of talent, I believe it's absolutely important to be bringing talent together from different industries, you know, having a diverse team on board um, that, that has a lot of experience and, and different experiences is, is gonna be very critical. Um, with, with this, you know, we, we were also able to cover all of the, the kind of the best practices in terms of how to build the infrastructure, how to build the product, how to design it, how to build the platform. And then as mentioned before, having that extra very detailed domain knowledge on board, is just a massive supporting factor. So you're, you're, you're covering all of the different sides in terms of building a, a, a business and, and, and a product in, in that case. Um, I think one, one other part is, and that really applies to us, you know, something that is called golden apples. Um, you're, you're always looking at, at building your product, building your platform. You have your vision in mind, your idea in mind, and you're trying to pro- progress towards that goal. And a lot of times you're getting opportunities where you can jump in and you can you know you, you can work on something very specific, but I believe you always need to ask yourself if this is something that also supports your mission? you know is, is this something that is also going to support our business going forward? Um, and that sometimes is a very difficult uh, decision that needs to be made. Um, you know for Op 42 if If we think about all of the different opportunities that we had and that will probably also come in the future, you know, some of these are related to something very specific, which is more like project business, which we could do, you know, we, we, we have the knowledge internally, we know how to build things, but then we also always ask ourselves, like, is this something that is going to help us to democratize the access to data and, and analytics? And sometimes the answer is no on that. And, and then we need to just skip it and, you know, really focus on that mission. Um, and I believe that that's one of the most important parts to, to really get right.
0: Oh, golden apple. That is going to be my mantra. I think that's, that's one thing that I learned today for sure. And it's such a, such a nice way of putting it across, saying that you've got to kind of stay focused and it's not aligned to your mission. Just don't do it. How tem- however tempting it might sound, right? Golden apple. Yeah right that's that, that that is that's that's the term i'm going to kind of stick with now barry i think we're also at the end of our podcast and uh, there couldn't be a better way of wrapping this up than you know what you just spoke so i don't want to uh, spoil that and uh, with that barry i really want to thank you for your time today it was uh, such a pleasure speaking to you and 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 picking your brains um thank you for sharing your experience with our listeners
1: perfect thanks so much deepak
0: that was quite some conversation with barry Barry and Up42 are doing some super stuff trying to democratize the access to geospatial data. I love Barry's articulation about staying focused and not digressing for very specific problems which don't align well with your mission, the concept of Golden Apple. Thank you for listening and I hope you will enjoy our other episodes as well from this series. This podcast is brought to you by Head Start Network Foundation. India's largest non profit, volunteer driven startup ecosystem enabler. You can read more about Headstart at www.headstart.in. Podcast created by volunteers at Head Start's Berlin chapter. Executive producer and your host, Deepak Nathyal. Content, Gunjeet Singh Mahal and Charli Nathyal. Supported by Shahal Hamid and Rahul Bahalu.